Well, good to be with you. Um, we were making good time on the way down until we got a call from the Brea Church saying that I'd forgotten my notes. And so we had to turn around and go back. Uh, we were pretty close still, but that, that did cost us some time. So. And then I realized once we got there, I thought, I probably don't even really need my notes. But uh, if you have this little handout from your bulletin, that'll, that'll help. And um, whoever's doing PowerPoint can do your best to, to figure out where we should be. Sometimes I have to remind myself um, why we do this thing called uh, church. Uh, what's it about again? Why do we gather together like this? And one way to think about it is that part of what we're doing is we're rehearsing together. We gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ to rehearse together um, whose we are and therefore who we are and what is life about for us in light of whose we are and who we are. We rehearse together. I, my son's in middle school and he... Um, uh, they had a, a music theater production at his school this year, and I helped out uh, with it. And so I was there on the, the first rehearsal for this music theater program. And they were doing a Broadway review show, so all these different songs from Broadway musicals. And I remember the, the, the first rehearsal, they did this song from the musical Matilda. And I remember you know, they're doing the choreography, and they're trying to sing the words, and, and they just sounded bad. I mean, they were singing off key, they didn't know the words, the choreography, they're bumping into each other. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, this show that we're gonna eventually do, it could be really ugly. Like, it, it, this could be just a train wreck, right? And, um, but, you know, they rehearsed. And they rehearsed, and they rehearsed, and they rehearsed. And I can remember opening night, I was helping out backstage, and that song came on, that song from Matilda, and I, and I pulled the curtains back because I wanted to watch these kids because they looked pretty good and they sounded pretty good. And as we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, not just on Sundays, but, but throughout the week and in various other ways, to rehearse whose we are, who we are, what life is about in light of that, we start to sound and look more like Jesus. And so this morning, I wanna rehearse together the New Testament concept of disciple. The New Testament concept of disciple. I want you to imagine with me that the Godhead is having a discussion, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're having a discussion about creating the world and sending Jesus. And, and we don't know exactly how this went, but at some point in time, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they, they had to decide, how is this going to work? When are we going to send Jesus? Um, in what conditions will he be born under? Uh, uh, when will he begin his public ministry? And at some point in that discussion, that decision-making process, they had to decide, now when Jesus goes to earth and he begins his public ministry at about 30 years of age, um, what language is he going to use to, to tell people about God? Right? This is the, the, the pivotal moment in human history. The second person of the Trinity is going to become incarnate in human flesh. What language, what teaching, what concepts, what images is Jesus going to use to describe the relationship between God and his people? Right? This is Emmanuel, God with us, God on earth. And I'd like to think maybe it was the Holy Spirit that said, oh, I have an idea. Jesus, how about the vine and the branches? And Jesus says, yeah, that's a good one. I am the vine. You are the branches, I'll use that one. And then maybe God the Father said, I, here's one that's worked well for us uh, for a long time now. It's, it's um, the shepherd and the sheep. 
So Jesus says, yeah, I am the good shepherd. Uh, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. And then someone said bride and bridegroom. And someone else said, what about living water for those who are thirsty and bread of life for those who are hungry? And all these different images and metaphors give some aspect of what it means for us to relate to God through Jesus by the Spirit. But you know what the central concept is that the Godhead chose? The gospel writers and Jesus himself, more than any other term to describe the relationship between Jesus and his followers, it's the term disciple. In the four gospels, over 230 times, the word disciple is used, more than any other term, to characterize that relationship. So what is it about this language of disciple in that scripture passage that we read together in Matthew chapter four, we see that Jesus came and he called those first disciples and his call was to follow me. Follow me, literally follow behind me. Join me in this way of life and follow me. And they immediately understood this as a call to discipleship. This wasn't some Jedi mind trick that Jesus used and all of a sudden they dropped their nets and followed him. No, they understood, they understood who Jesus was. We know from John's gospel, they'd probably known Jesus for about a year by this point. And they know that he is calling them to be his disciples and he's taking the role of rabbi or master and there's a few things that immediately they would understand and these are on this little uh, handout here the first one in the first century they would immediately understand that if they're a disciple of jesus then they're a student of his teaching uh, disciples in the first century the, the rab rabbis jewish rabbis had disciples and you knew if you got chosen as a as a disciple of a rabbi that your primary objective in life from here on out was to master the teaching of your rabbi to master the rabbi's interpretation of torah and so when jesus calls disciples to himself and he begins to teach his disciples they immediately understood that okay my the reason why they dropped their nets is because their primary job now was going to be to master jesus's teaching and his central teaching is that the kingdom of god is available right he begins his public ministry with this matthew 4 passage repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. That's Jesus' central teaching. Now, he teaches a lot of other things about life in the kingdom, but a central biblical concept for Jesus' teaching is, is that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's available. Jesus is saying the, 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 the reign of God that, that humanity has always needed is available in full. It's, it's at hand. You can reach out and grab it through the person of Jesus. So that's his central teaching, and, and the disciples are going to learn about life in the kingdom through the Sermon on the Mount, through the parables of the kingdom. But there's another thing they would have immediately understood about being called as disciples of Jesus, and that is it wasn't just to learn his teachings, but a disciple of Jesus is also an apprentice of Jesus' overall style or way of life. So we know in the New Testament that John the Baptist had disciples. In fact, probably two of Jesus' disciples, at least one, but probably two, were previously disciples of John the Baptist. And now they're disciples of Jesus. And at one point, Jesus' disciples come to him and they say, Lord, teach us to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples. See, following a master or a rabbi was not just to learn their teaching, it was to learn their way of life, their practices. How do they live? 
Another point in the New Testament, um, the Pharisees come to uh, Jesus' disciples and say, why do your disciples, they come to Jesus, why do your disciples not fast like the Pharisees' disciples fast and John the Baptist's disciples fast? So there's, there's a way of life, a set of practices. And Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter six to talk about practices. He says, when you fast, don't do it this way. Do not fast like the hypocrites do, but do it this way. When you pray, don't do it like this, but do it like this. When you give to the poor, don't do it like this, but do it like this. Jesus had a way of life. They were not just, they were not just students of his teaching, but they were apprentices. They were imitators of a certain way of life. And so for us, as we think about our own discipleship relationship with Jesus, we need to be thinking, so did I come to Jesus as a student? How am I practicing my studentship to Jesus, my discipleship to Jesus' teachings? Did I come to Jesus as an apprentice, as an imitator of his way of life? What is his way of life? What are the practices that he engaged in and that he uh, encouraged the disciples to engage in? And of course, uh, through by the Spirit, inspired the other biblical authors. But there's three other points here of, 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 of uh, discipleship to Jesus that I want to look at really quickly, and then I want to make a few application points. Um, so the next one is, and these are a little different. So the first two were, you know, discipleship to Jesus was, was very much like discipleship in the first century, whether to Jewish rabbis or to John the Baptist or even ancient philosophers. This, this, you're students of their teachings, you're an apprentice of their way of life. But this next one, this was unique to Jesus. Um, it, it had to be unique to Jesus because a, a disciple of Jesus doesn't just come to Jesus as a, a great teacher or a great master of, of life, but a disciple of Jesus is increasingly trusting the person of Jesus as Lord and Savior. See, what the disciples had to slowly learn is that Jesus didn't just have a way, but he was the way, the truth, the life. Jesus wasn't just a rabbi, he was the last rabbi. Uh, you know, there's this new Star Wars movie coming out, right? It's called The Last Jedi. Well, the Christian version of that is The Last Rabbi. Right? Jesus is the last rabbi. We don't need any other teachers. We don't need any other masters. He is the master. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So this was a different kind of discipleship. In the first century, if you were a disciple of a normal rabbi or a normal uh, kind of a master, you, your goal would be to learn their way of life and learn their teaching and then become a rabbi yourself and hopefully become a greater rabbi. But Jesus makes it clear that that's not how it's gonna work. In fact, in this um, passage that's on the handout there, and maybe it'll come up on this. Oh, no, you're just leaving the screen. That's fine. Bless your heart. Um, in this passage, Matthew 23, uh, Jesus says, um, But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you're all brothers and sisters. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who's in the heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor or teacher, the Christ. So Jesus makes it really clear that Disciples of Jesus have one master. This is where sometimes we get things, we can get things a little wrong in our discipleship ministries in our churches or even parachurch organizations. I don't know if you've been in any discipleship kind of ministry, but sometimes we slide into talking about uh, disciples of Jesus having their own disciples. And that, we don't see that in scripture. Peter, James, John, they don't go into all the world and make disciples of themselves. They go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus's mastership and lordship as teacher never ends. Uh, we have no other rabbi. We have no other teacher. Now, we have humans that come alongside us and exhort us and encourage us and teach us, but they're always coming alongside us in our discipleship relationship with Jesus. That's who we are all disciples of. He's alive and well. He is still taking on disciples. He is still in the business of training his followers. The next point here that's a little bit different when it comes to Jesus' way of discipleship is that a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus in the way of the cross. Uh, this was a hard one for the disciples to understand that both Jesus was going to die and they were called to lay down their lives as well. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Discipleship to Jesus is the cross way of life. Hey, cross way. It's the cross way of life. It's, it's, a, it's a life of dying to self. If you saw someone walking around with a wooden cross over their shoulder in the first century, it, would, you, it wouldn't have been cute. You wouldn't have thought, oh, they're a Christian or something, right? The, the, the cross was a symbol of death. It was the executioner's symbol. So if you had someone walking down the street with a wooden cross over their shoulder, you uh, wouldn't think, oh, uh, that's their burden. No, you would think, they're going to die today. Their life's over. And so when Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross, what he's saying is, if you're going to follow me, your life's over. Life on your terms, life the way you want it, life under your lordship, slowly but surely, that's done. Because there's a new Lord in our lives, and he is the master. Well, that's the way of the cross. It's the best life for us, but it's the, it's the life of dying to self and, and, and relinquishing the idolatries that persist. The last point here, and then I'll make three application points, is that a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus not only in the way of the cross, but in the way of the resurrection. Again, I referred to the Matthew 28 passage, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them or immersing them in the character of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded. There's the teaching. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus is not going to cease to be present to his disciples. And he doesn't cease to be present to us. By his spirit, he is with us. Lo, I will be with you always. Jesus' discipleship relationship is, is, is a resurrected relationship. He is a resurrected Lord. He's going to live forever, and we are going to live forever with him. Not just in eternity, but that begins now. So Mike Wilkins, who's one of my uh, professors, this is actually a quote that's on your handout as well. Um, he, uh, he's, he's done a lot of study on discipleship, and he talks about this concluding point of the Great Commission. He says, Jesus concludes the Great Commission with a crucial element of discipleship, the presence of the master. As the new disciple is baptized and taught to observe all that Jesus commanded, Jesus is present. Both those obeying the command and those responding are comforted by the awareness that the risen Jesus will continue to fashion his disciples. The master is always present for his disciples to follow. So we are still disciples of Jesus, and we, uh, we look to him to fashion us, to transform us. So let me just recap those uh, five points. They're there on your handout. Uh, when we come to faith in Jesus, we come as a disciple. And so a disciple of Jesus is a student of Jesus' teachings. A disciple of Jesus is an apprentice or an imitator of Jesus' overall way of life. 
A disciple of Jesus increasingly trusts the person of Jesus as their Lord, their King, their Master. A disciple of Jesus follows Jesus in the way of the cross, the way of dying to self. And a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus in the way of resurrection. Uh, new life in Christ, new creation. So let me make um, three application points. I'm supposed to be done at 11.25, right? Is that right, Paul? Yeah? Okay. So, um, the first one is this. When we place our faith in Jesus, we accept his call to be his disciples. When you came to Jesus, did you realize you were signing up for discipleship? I probably heard that language, but what I thought when I came to Jesus first as a young child and then rededicated my life several times after that, I think I mainly thought that Jesus was the solution to my guilt problem, my sin problem. That I came to Jesus to get my sins forgiven because otherwise I, I won't be able to go to heaven when I die. And so I came to Jesus and put my faith in him and his atoning work on the cross in order to get forgiveness of sins, in order to go to heaven when I die. And then after you get forgiveness and you're waiting for heaven, you just try to do the best you can and maybe help other people get to know Jesus too? Well, there's at least that, but I think when we understand the New Testament concept of disciple, we realize there's a lot more to what it means to come to Jesus than just forgiveness of sins and eternity in heaven. Those are wonderful things. But we come to Jesus for forgiveness as his students. We come to him to learn his answers to the fundamental questions of human existence. And so we come to Jesus looking for his way of life. We're his apprentices. We want to learn to live life as if we were him. How did he cultivate this way of life before the Father? The second thing, and this kind of gets um, at some of how that might go, and uh, point number two, discipleship to Jesus involves being students of his teaching and practicing the activities he engaged in, that's that apprenticing, as we come to trust his lordship more and more, which just is to die to life on our own terms and allow his life-giving spirit to transform us from the inside out. So in a nutshell, that is a way to think about discipleship to Jesus. We're students, we're apprentices, we're dying to self, and the Spirit of God is bringing life to our mortal bodies. Now, when I think about that vision of the Christian life, there's at least two things that immediately come to mind. If that's what it is to live the Christian life, to be a disciple, then we need help. We're not gonna be able to do this on our own. And one of the reasons we gather together like this to rehearse whose we are and who we are and what our lives are about is because we need reminders. We need, re we need to rehearse what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I need your help, and you need my help, and we need each other's help. We need brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside us and help us maintain this allegiance to Jesus and grow to become more like him. The other thing I think about when I, when I see that vision of the Christian life is that one of the problems I think that comes up oftentimes when the people of God gather together is the problem of service and evangelism and mission. 
and we know we should be doing more of it and we want to do more of it, but how much do we gather together and how much do we go out and serve? And I think discipleship gives us a, a clue to the answer to that, to that dilemma. Because what discipleship says is as you become more and more immersed in the reality of who Jesus is by his spirit, as you become more and more immersed in the kingdom of his heavenly father and learn to live your life more and more uh, in the way that Jesus lived his life before the Father, well, that transforms us. Our hearts begin to change. We begin to desire and have compassion for the lost and for those in need. So one thing that's, I think, wonderful about the New Testament concept of discipleship is that if we're growing in a transformational discipleship relationship with Jesus by his Spirit, we will become the kinds of people who want to give our lives away for others. That's just part of the discipling way. It's the way of the cross. It's the way of surrender. It's the way of dying to self and living for Jesus for the sake of others. And last but not least, as an application, because discipleship is a way of life with Jesus, because it's a way of life with him as his student, as his apprentice, we need to have a plan in place to enter into that way of life more and more fully. We need to have a plan to become more like Jesus. Yes, he's the one who's transforming us, but he invites us to be a part of it. And so what's my plan to become more like Jesus? As I study him and as I apprentice myself after him, what is my plan? Do I have a plan in place to engage Jesus in this transformational discipleship process? A few weeks ago, my daughter had an end of the soccer season picnic awards picnic or something where they hand out the trophies and you know most everyone gets an award right everyone gets a trophy I was gonna say most valuable player but they don't do that everyone gets an award everyone gets patted on the back and so we're going to the picnic at the park where they give the awards end of the soccer season it's just me and my daughter my wife and my son were doing something else and um, I was thinking about this idea of having a plan to become more like Jesus and as we're pulling out of our driveway I, I said to my daughter she's nine I said Sienna what's our plan to be more like Jesus at the park today. And I kind of thought she would say like, uh, I don't know dad, turn the radio on or something like that. Or can I borrow your phone or something? But she, she engaged the question and she said, well, dad, maybe we could look out for people who no one's talking to and we could go talk to them. Uh, maybe we could, and she had some other idea like that. And I said, you know, those are great ideas, honey. But those, that's a plan to try to act like Jesus. I'm wondering what's our plan to become more like him so that we'll be ready to act in whatever way he would act if he was at the park today. And she said, oh, and so then we started talking about things that Jesus did to cultivate this relationship with his father and the, the ways that Jesus uh, lived his life and resigned his will to the will of the father. So we talked about that. I said, so maybe we could just pray right now and we could say, God, we wanna go to the park today and we wanna align our will with your will. We wanna, we wanna be there as your ambassadors. Lord, we need your help with that. So we prayed together. And I think by the time we got to the park, we kind of forgot all about it, but it was a wonderful exercise. It was a wonderful exercise. I wish I could tell you we led like 20 people to Christ. It didn't happen. Um, I think we forgot. We ate the food, we got the trophy and it's a wonderful day. Maybe we were, maybe we were Jesus to people that we didn't realize. But I love, the, I love that I stumbled into that practice with my daughter because I want to be thinking about that. What's my plan today to become more like Jesus? As you leave this time, what's your plan for the rest of the day to become more like Jesus? 
doesn't mean you have to do spiritual things all day. Maybe you're going to do some, I was going to say gardening, but it's a little hot for gardening. You know, who knows what you're going to do. But, but what's your plan to do that with the Lord as his student, as his apprentice? Maybe as you're driving home today, you can turn to the person next to you, or if you're by yourself, turn to the Lord and say, Jesus, help me craft a plan to become more like you. Because you know what's interesting? If we don't have a plan, if we don't have things that we're trying to do, intending to do, and not just goals, you know, not just I want to be perfect, right? Okay, perfection's not a bad goal. That's not, you know, that's a good place to go. But how, what are the steps to get there? What are the things that you're dealing with and the Lord's dealing with you on? And what are the things you can do with his with scripture, in prayer, with his people? Who do you need to call? Who do you need to meet with this week? What sort of prayer practices do you need to engage in in order to continue on this way of discipleship? Let me, let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that when you came to earth, you revealed yourself to us in many, many ways. Uh, you revealed yourself to us as the good shepherd. You revealed yourself to us as living water such that we'll never thirst again. You revealed yourself to us as the bread of life and that if we eat of you, we will never die. But one of the, one of the concepts, one of the, some of the terminology you, re, you return to time and time again was this language of disciple. That we are your learners. That we are your apprentices. That we have entered into a relationship with you as Lord of Lord, King of Kings. It's the way of the cross. It's the way of the resurrection. So Jesus, I pray that we would renew and rehearse this vision of what it means to be a follower of you. Help us to enter into that way of life with you more and more as you transform us from the inside out. In your name we pray. Amen.